Hey everyone, welcome to the Tulia Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to give online, see upcoming events, or view our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? I'm glad you're here. Hey, I wanted to pray about something before we start. Uh, over this situation with the respiratory virus uh, that's out, that's broken out in China. And I wanted to tell you that if you have been concerned about that, uh, that you don't have to have fear. And don't let the devil use the news media and their sensationalism about that to try to put fear on you or your family because God's big enough to take care of it. And there are millions of believers in China who are praying against this virus. And so I just wanted us to stand in agreement and to pray with them. And so uh, why don't you close your eyes and open up your heart and let me pray. Father God, we just come to you this morning. And Lord, I want to pray over China. Father, we want, I want to pray over the doctors and over the medical teams that are treating people that have this virus. Father, we pray healing over the people that have been sick from it. Father God, we pray grace and strength over this, that this virus is contained, it's stopped, it shrinks, it does not grow, but instead it dies and it disappears. Father God, we speak life over the people that have been sick. We speak life over China, over the believers that are in that nation, and that, God, your hand is on this situation and that we don't have to be afraid in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Praise God. I so appreciate you praying with me. I'm going to finish this morning talking about what Chuck Pierce talked about at Zion, and so let me read you a statement. He said that you and I need to frame our future with our words in our region. Now, I just want to review for just a minute, and I just really want this to drop into your heart, that you and I are supposed to be framing our future. You and I are supposed to be speaking into our future, what we'd like to see God do in our life, what you'd like to see happen at your job or happen in your children's lives. And then he said, in our region. And what have we found out? Well, your family is your region. This church is your region. The community you live in is your region. Where your kids go to school is your region. And that God is saying for you to speak life over the school your kids go to, speak life over their teachers, speak life over the principal, that God's hand is on your life. Then the next thing we found out was this. Your mountains need to hear your voice. Your mountains need to hear your voice. Listen, everybody in this room, has challenges. Everybody in this room has mountains. I've got them. You've got them. We've all got things going on in our life that we don't have the power to change. Listen, that's what a mountain is. You don't have the power to change it, but God does. Then that you're supposed to be speaking to your mountains. Now, what did Jesus say in Mark 11? Well, here's what we found out. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you'll have them. 
Jesus said in those two simple verses for you to speak to your mountain. Now listen, I'm your pastor and I love you and I pray for you regularly. And I can help you get the devil off your life. But then you're responsible to keep him off. What does that mean? That means you need to be speaking to your mountains. You need to be doing it often. You need to be doing it regularly, whatever those mountains are. Then we found out that God wants to restore what's been lost in your life. Now listen to me. I know every single person in this room have lost things. You've had things stolen from you. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship. You've had things stolen. And Chuck said God says that he's going to restore those things in your life. Listen, God is a redeemer. He's a deliverer. He's a restorer. All right, listen, when you hooked up with the Lord Jesus Christ, you hooked up with somebody who's at work in your life, redeeming, changing, renewing, restoring. Listen, we've all done things in our past that we regret. We've all said things. We've all hurt people. And as we look into the past of our lives as adults, we can think, well, that's been stolen or that's been lost. And God says, I'm going to do what? I'm going to redeem those things. I'm going to restore those things in your life. And so I want to encourage you and to remind you in that this morning that that's what he said. Then he said to make a list. Make a list. What if you took time to write down some things that you know have been stolen from your life? Okay, some things that you've lost. You write it down, and then you remind God. You can remind the devil too. Okay, the Bible says he has to give back seven times what's been stolen. And so you take your list. You say, Father, thank you that you're redeeming, you're restoring Okay, maybe your marriage needs to be restored. Maybe you've got financial issues. I don't know what it is, but God knows what it is. Then in Joel chapter 2, 25, we found out that God wants to restore what's been lost. I'm not gonna read the whole verse. Look at the first sentence. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Listen, whatever's been stolen in your life, God promised that he would restore it. Now, that's review. Let me jump into a couple of new things that he said as we finish this up this morning. He said that God wants you and I to mature, grow up spiritually. Listen, you're exactly in the right place to grow up spiritually. You're in the house of God, and you're hearing the Word of God preached, and it causes you to grow. The Bible says so. God wants you and I to mature. Listen, all children do one thing. They grow, don't they? Yes, they grow. You feed them, you take care of them, and they grow, all right? God wants you to do the very same thing. Then he reads a story out of Numbers, and I'm gonna go there this morning to Numbers chapter 20, and before I read it, I wanna give you a little background, okay? Israel's been in slavery to Egypt, all right? God raises up a man named Moses to deliver them out of slavery, an entire nation, not 100 people, 2 million people, okay? Men, women, and children, an entire nation, So God supernaturally delivers them. They leave Egypt and they go into the wilderness and they're supposed to cross the wilderness and cross the Jordan River and go into the land that God promised them and we call it the promised land. Well, when they get out into the wilderness, now stay with me, we're talking several million people. There's not enough water for everybody. So everybody gets thirsty. So God tells Moses, take your staff the shepherd's staff that I've given you, and there's a rock out in the desert, and I want you to hit that rock, and water's gonna come out. And he does that, and water gushes out. Now, enough water for two million people. 
Okay, this is a sizable amount of water. And the water's good, it's fresh, it's clean, and it's drinkable. So everybody gets a drink, the animals drink, the people drink, and everybody's happy. Well, they go on their way. And as they go on their way, days pass, and all of a sudden there's not water anymore. They've drank all the water they saved, and now they're thirsty again. So they're in the same predicament. This is where we're gonna start reading. Listen to what it says. Numbers 20, starting with verse seven. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, take the rod you have, your brother Aaron, and gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Verse nine, so Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of the rock. Now stop right there. Obviously, if you're listening at all, you already recognize that God told him not to hit the rock, but to speak to the rock. Okay, Moses is mad. Okay, he's mad at the people because he doesn't think they're doing what they're supposed to. And so he calls them rebels. And he says, Hey, you rebels. Why don't you start following God? Now, listen very carefully. I don't want you to miss this. The Bible says in the New Testament that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Listen, anger doesn't move God. The Bible says it's a work of the flesh. Okay, the work of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Now, listen, all of us get mad. I've gotten mad. I've been mad before. Okay, everybody's been mad at different times. I'm not saying that you go the rest of your life and never be mad, but I want you to understand that a lot of times it'll hinder what God wants to do in your life because you're angry about something. Now, there is righteous indignation, and I understand that, but I'm talking about where you just get mad and you just stay mad. You don't wanna walk in that because it can be a hindrance from God, and it gets Moses in trouble. Let me keep reading. Listen to what happens. Excuse me. Verse 11. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with the rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you did not believe me to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you will not bring the assembly into the land which I've given them. Now here's what happens instead of speaking to the rock, he hits it. Water comes out, but he disobeys God. And God tells him, because you didn't believe, because you didn't believe, you're not going into the promised land. Now listen to me very carefully. The key to your promised land is to believe. Listen, you can be kept out of your promised land the very same way he was kept out of his promised land because he didn't believe. Listen, it's very important. And I'm not trying to put anything on you. I'm not trying to mess you up. But I've thought to myself, God, that was pretty harsh. But here's the key. God didn't keep him out of the promised land. Moses did. Moses kept himself out. Are you with me? What do we say in church all the time? Come in here with your expector turned on. Come in here with your faith turned on. When you read the word of God, believe it. Listen, for all that God wants to do in your life, one of the things you have to do is believe. Now, here's what Moses did. God told Moses the first time to hit it, and he did. He hit it, and water came out. Now, all of us know that hitting a rock doesn't produce water, right? What produced water was God. 
We also know speaking to a rock doesn't produce water. What produced water was God. Are you with me? Okay, but here's what Moses did. See, Moses went back to what worked. See, God said, hey, I want to do something different. You hit the rock the first time, but I want you to grow and mature, and now you're not going to use a stick. You're going to use a sword. The word of God out your mouth. You're not going to use a physical stick, but you're going to use the sword of the Spirit. The Bible says in Revelations that out of Jesus' mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. That's a reference to God's word. Listen, when you speak God's word over your life, you're not using a stick, you're using a sword. That's a mark of maturity. Are you with me? What Chuck Pierce say? Chuck Pierce said God wants us to grow up. You see, Moses went back to what worked instead of trusting God for what he wanted to do. And I can do that so easily. You know, God will move in my life. He'll do something amazing. And then, man, I go back to it, you know, like a pump. And, man, I want to pump the hound out of that thing, and I want it to work again. When God wants to do something different, that's the mark of maturity. And it got Moses in trouble, and he didn't go into his promised land. Let me tell you a story. Several years ago, Vicki and I are at a retreat. It's the retreat we do every year for Jesus Chapel Christian School in Riodosa, New Mexico. Several years ago, Vicki and I are there. We're lined up at lunch, and we're going through a cafeteria-style line to go to lunch, and the line kind of winds around. Well, I go by this high school girl, and I reach out and touch her on the shoulder, and when I did, she looked at me and growled. Well, you know, I thought it was kind of weird, but you know, I didn't think a lot about it. You know what I'm saying? So I just kind of moved on. I didn't think anything about it. Well, that night we get in the service, then I preach, and we're having church, and we get to the end of the service, and we have an altar call. And we invite teenagers to come up front and get prayer. Well, teenagers are just like kids. They flood the front. There's kids all across the front from one end of the auditorium to the other. And so Vicki and I go down with some other staff, and we start praying for kids. Well, Vicky gets to a young girl, teenage girl, and it's the same girl that growled at me. And Vicky leans down and looks in her face and says, Honey, are you involved in witchcraft? And the instant she did, she fell in the floor, started foaming at the mouth, and started wriggling around on the floor. And I, I was there. I'm not lying. I'm not joking. All right? So she sends a boy down to get me. I get down there to where Vicky is, and the room we're in had doors on each end like garage doors. It'd be like if we had garage doors, then they were open to let air in. So Vicky and I got a hold of her, and we kind of pulled her and carried her to the edge and took her outside, out, out past, out of the building so, so we could pray for her because there was some other stuff going on. Well, we laid our hands on her, and we prayed in the authority of the name of Jesus, and we cast that devil off of her, and she was gloriously and amazingly delivered. And you could just see it happen to her instantly. It was like she came to herself, and she stood up and dusted herself off, and God transformed her and ministered to her, and it was amazing. Then I saw her a year later, and she was transformed and a beautiful young girl and was completely different from that. All right. After that service, uh, you know, we finished up and we went back to our room, Vicki and I did, and we're settling into the room for the evening and we hear a knock on the door. And so I go to the door and open the door and there's one of the school staff members and they have a whole line of teenagers out front. <laughs> and she says, could you cast the devil out of all these two? 
And I thought, well, yeah, I guess if they all have devils, we can. But you know as well as I do, not one single one of them had a devil. Now, they were teenagers, and sometimes that looks like the devil. Amen? No offense, teenagers. I love you, right? You know, and I know a lot of you that are parents wish you could bring your kids up after church and me cast the devil out of them, right? Yeah, y'all are shaking your heads. Amen, Pastor. Man, please do it. All right, but here, here's what you, know, you and I both know. You can't cast out the flesh. You, you can't. It doesn't work. You have to control the flesh. Well, we ministered to all those kids. We prayed for every one of them, but not one single one of them was demonly, a demon oppressed or demon possessed, not one of them. They were just being kids, right? And so we prayed for them and we ministered to them. Now, here's the point, all right? See, because it worked on that one girl, the staff thought, my gosh, we've got a whole bunch of other kids that need that too, and we'll get them and you can pray for them. And because it worked with this girl, they thought it would with everybody else. But what was going on in everybody else's life was different. Are you with me? Okay, see, Moses hit the rock and it worked. So when God said, speak to it, he said, no, I think I'll just hit it because it worked before. Now, listen to me very carefully. I wanna make sure you get this. God wants to walk with you every day. And he wants to lead you and speak to you. And Jesus did things in the New Testament, and he didn't do them necessarily over and over. Do you remember when he made mud? He spit in the, in the mud and put it in the blind guy's eyes, and he got healed? He only did that one time. He didn't do it over and over. The point is, is go to God when you're dealing with situations. It's a mark of maturity in your life instead of just thinking, hey, I'll just do what I've always done. Are you with me? Okay, Chuck Pierce said that we're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to mature. Here's what else he said. You can't get away with the things anymore that you used to. Let me read it to you again. You can't get away with things anymore that you used to. Are you with me? Think about the things in your life that you've been sliding by on that God wants you to change and stop doing. The Bible says in Corinthians that God wants us to mature. God wants us to grow up. And the things that maybe you've done in the past that you got away with, God is saying, hey, I don't want you to do those things anymore. All right, everybody thinking you're on. I'm not asking you to dig something up. I'm just asking you to think about a place in your life where you know you need to mature, where you know you need to change, where you know you need to grow. Chuck Pierce said that God's asking you and I to grow up and quit doing some things that we know we've been doing and we've been getting away with. Let me show you the next thing. Chuck Pierce said God wants you to learn the power of your mouth. Learn the power of your mouth. Let me read to you out of Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, or death and life are in the power of your mouth, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Can I ask you a question? Are you speaking life over your family, or are you speaking death? Are you speaking life over your children, your grandchildren, or are you speaking death? Are you speaking life over your future, or are you speaking death? Are you being positive? Are you being negative? Are you being hopeful? Are you being discouraged? What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be framing our world with our words. Then you need to recognize that there's power in your mouth. So I just want to challenge you this morning. 
What kind of words have you been speaking? What kind of words have you been speaking over your kids? What kind of words are you speaking over your grandchildren? Are they words of life? Are they words of hope? Are they words of encouragement? Or are they words of death? Chuck Pierce said that God says we need to learn the power of our mouth. Man, I need that more than anybody. Because sometimes it can be so easy to be negative. It can be so easy to say things. And so recognize you are making a difference with your mouth. I'm gonna show you one last thing. He said God wants to reset your future. God wants to reset your future. Now think about how God wants to restore what's been stolen, whatever that is. Then he wants to reset your future. Now have you ever been at home before and had trouble with your cable? You know, it doesn't work right or your internet slow and doesn't work right. And so, you know, we used to be with Sudden Link and, and we're with Mid Plains now, but we'd call and say, you know, hey, man, we're having trouble. You know, you talk to them on the phone and that person would say, okay, uh, go, go unplug it, right? Okay, so you, you know, you go to the box, right? Yeah, and you, and you unplug it. And then they say to count, you know, wait about 30 seconds and, and then plug it in. Everybody's shaking their head. Y'all have all done this, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, so I've done it too with Sudden Link, and then you plug it back in, and more often than not, it resets it. More often than not, it starts working. Now, I don't know why. I don't get that. I, I don't understand it, but most of the time, not always, but most of the time, it works. Listen, God said he wants to reset your future. Okay, whatever that is in your life, whatever you need God to do, now, let me just give you a thought that the Holy Spirit gave me. You unplug the cable box, then you plug it back in, and it resets. When was the last time you unplugged to reset? Not your cable box, but your life. You know, how are you doing daily on unplugging? and taking a few minutes to read the Word of God, or taking a few minutes to pray, taking a few minutes to direct your heart and your thoughts toward God. How often do you unplug so you can reset, get a new view of things? God wants to do what? He wants to reset your future. Listen, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God has plans for you, and they're good plans. Amen? That you have a hope, and you have a future because your Father loves you, and He has good plans for you, good plans for your family, good plans for your life, and He promised He's resetting your future. All right, would you stand with me, please? Let me pray for you. The Lord's good, amen? I'm so glad y'all were here this morning. Close your eyes and let me pray. Father God, I wanna thank you this morning that we can be in the house of God. I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father God, I pray your life, your grace, your strength, your hope, your mercy on each one of us, on our families. Father, I thank you as we leave this service today. We're refreshed, we're encouraged, and we're renewed. Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you. Go and be blessed.